What's up, guys? It's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. April is a huge month for TV, and starting this weekend, the Recapables feed returns to give you in-depth analysis on your favorite TV shows, including Killing Eve, Billions, and many more. There will also be a special pre-capable series on the Recapables feed on the final season of Game of Thrones, where our staff forecasts what will happen every Sunday on the show. So make sure to subscribe now before the premiere of Killing Eve and Game of Thrones on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to The Recapables, a podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network and about Killing Eve. Woo! So we at The Ringer here all love this show. It was our number one show of 2018, a designation I may or may not have had a significant hand in. (laughs) We all love this show, but I doubt anyone loves this show more than my co-host. It's Kate Hallowell. Hello. I love it so much, but Allison Herman's a close second. I mean, I believe I introduced you to this show. You did, you did, and I'm forever grateful. Yes, I would say I am the number one evangelist on the staff. For sure. And you are the number one stan. Yes, that feels right. That feels like a good designation. Yes, so I feel like we have our complimentary skill sets that we're bringing to this podcast. Yes. And we're going to be checking in every week Every single week out of all eight weeks of season two, just to go over the many amazing things that happen on this show, lines that are spoken by characters on on this show, outfits that are worn by characters on this show, mostly by Jodie Comer. Mm. You'll be able to find every episode of The Recapables Killing Eve after the episodes air on Sunday nights on The Recapables podcast feed. But before we dive into that, we should probably just get a quick recap of season one. Yes. For those of you who don't, know about the show, which I'm assuming is not many of you if you are listening to this podcast. Right. <laughs> it is a cat and mouse game between a desk-bound British MI5 agent with an American accent <laughs> named Eve Pilastri, played by Sandra Oh, yes. and a Russian assassin for hire by the name of Villanelle. That is not her given name, but she is played by Jodie Comer. What else happens in this season that you think our listeners ought to be apprised oh, of? What doesn't happen in this season? Um, a lot of operatic, violent murder, a lot of great clothes, a lot of back and forth. Lots of witty banter. So much witty banter. We can't wait to discuss the witty banter. We do each have a tweet length review of season one. Yes, this As like is a important. recap, should we get right to it? This is a segment that we have on most of the recapables. It's just our pithy take. And yeah, my tweet length review of season one is that it is a love story about two women who really see each other and also lots of murder. So much murder. Mine is that Killing Eve immediately became my favorite show currently on television, and it's my new benchmark for taste among my friends and family. I have spiritually disowned multiple people who, quote, just couldn't get into it. Yeah, this is an experience that I really relate to. Uh-huh. I have definitely, you know, written some people out of my life. You got to do what you got to do. Yeah, I got in a very protracted group chat argument with someone who said it, you know, wasn't anything special. Oh, my God. It's just, you know... We make sacrifices for the things we love. We do. I think this is one of the themes of Killing Eve, so it's really fitting. Yeah, you know, friends, family, aunts, uncles, they're out. Sandra O's in. Sometimes you have to make sacrifices for the people you love. (laughs) I also think we should add a bonus tweet length review, which is that Kate and I went to the season two premiere of Killing Eve here in Los Angeles because we are very connected and important journalists. We are so connected and important. (laughs) But on our way in, we overheard one woman explaining this show to another, and she said it's about badass bitches and murder, which... Exactly. Yeah, you nailed I, it. <laughs> I don't really know why we said other things for our tweet length review, right. but yeah, that's exactly it. Yes. So this is a good springboard for just 
an explanation of why we love this show so much. So like, was there a particular moment where you fell in love with this show? Is there a particular reason you give people for loving this show? You know, I I didn't know at all what to expect going into this. I had seen Fleabag, like, which was, you know, Phoebe Waller-Bridge as well. And so I think she is so obviously imprinted on every part of this. And I love that. I love Sandra Oh. I love Jodie Comer. I mean, there's so much. The performances, the the banter, the the fact that it's like so clearly by women for women. Yes, I think that's a huge, huge part it of it. It sounds show. like a cliche, but like as soon as that was like my, I remember talking to you about that early on in Amanda Dobbins and like just like all the women who see it are like, you can just tell everything, like from the characters to the writing to how the men are portrayed, how the women are portrayed, the the clothes. It's just so clearly by women and that's huge. Yeah, I mean, the reason why I said, you know, it's a love story about women who see one another is because, you know, I think a really big part of the female experience that the show gets into is that women are just overlooked. And in Villanelle's case, that's a huge advantage. It means that she can kind of do her nefarious business without being detected. But that's a huge reason why, you know, Sandra Oh is so good at her job and why Villanelle takes notice of her is that she is able to see Villanelle and be appropriately both uh, respectful of and terrified of her. Right. And Eve, on the other hand, is kind of this unsatisfied desk agent who has not really excelled in her career and has like a fine life, but not an exceptional one. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that she responds to in Villanelle is Villanelle forms this like fixation on her that we learn is is kind of part of a pattern. Mm -hmm. But like... I do think it's so telling that the way Villanelle chooses to kind of seduce Eve is that she buys her incredibly fashionable clothes that fit her perfectly, which the is... dream. <laughs> it's, like, so creepy and so erotic at the same time. Uh-huh. Yeah. But it, it, it's, like, a seductive gesture. It's, sure. like, I have seen you and understand you and thought about you to the point where that I can, like, pick out clothes for you and I know you're going to love them. Right, exactly. <laughs> and it's such a, you know, weird, freaky power play thing, uh-huh. but it's it's so, so good. Yeah. And that also brings me to another thing I love about the show, which is that it is like explicitly queer. Oh, in so many different ways. And that jump out even more on my rewatch because it's so unexpected the first time around that you're almost... Like, I remember, you know, there's the the episode where she's talking to Bill and Bill, you know, they're talking about, you know, how he loves men and he loves women and it, you almost it's it's so rare to see things like that talked about so frankly and just like in such a matter of fact way on television that you almost like want to overlook it. Part of me was just so surprised by it. And then on a rewatch, it like jumps out even more as like just how how much they frame it as just like a regular a regular thing. And just like they're so open about it. And it's so refreshing. Totally. And it's something that's subtext, like a homoerotic charge to a relationship is sure. definitely a thing. You know, I remember when Sherlock was a huge thing, mm. a lot of people criticized it because they saw that show as, you know, flirting with a queer viewership right. and giving them just enough that like right. they were invested. Queer but, baiting, yeah. Yes, but never making anything so explicit enough that like stodgy conservative people would right. object to it. Right. Or even, you know, I think this is less of a irritating case of it but another cat and mouse show that I adore is Hannibal Mm, which is a show that is written by a gay man and is very like as direct as it can be without being explicit about Uh the connection between them but it stops just short whereas Killing Eve in the finale Villanelle comes right out and says like I masturbate to you all the time right they're so (laughs) frank about it and it's it's great it's so refreshing like there's no there's no question about like whether they're attracted to each other or whether they're in love with each other like 
even from the beginning, Sandra Oh is like talking about her eyes and how, you know, she has this connection with her. And like, even though she doesn't know her and she's never met her. Yes, and- there's this amazing scene slash visual gag at the, right. I believe it's the opening of season three, but Sandra Oh is just describing Villanelle and gets very misty eyed and romantic and figurative uh-huh. about it. She had a lost look in her eye that was both direct and also chilling. She's totally focused, yet almost entirely inaccessible. Uh, so is that like a square face or an oval face? There's no question that that it is like a queer show. There are various queer relationships. And yeah, you just don't see that in this way as often. Yeah, and there's never any agitation on Sandro's part about right. like, am I attracted to a woman? Right. Yeah, it's not. It's not a big thing. It's just. Yeah. I mean, it is because she's an assassin, but that's the only. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like you also brought up Phoebe Waller Bridge is presence, and right. she's very perceptible all over this show. Uh-huh. I actually think like the pinpoint moment when I really fell in love with the show is this climactic dinner scene between the two of them. Mm-hmm. In episode five, mm-hmm. I have a thing for bathrooms. We actually have a clip of it, if we can we play do. that now. I know you are exceptionally bright, determined, hardworking. What else? I know you are an extraordinary person. What else? I know something happened to you. What else? I know you're a psychopath. You should never tell a psychopath you're a psychopath. It upsets them. Oh, chills down my spine. Honestly, same. <laughs> Still. Just, it's so great. And that's just one of, like, maybe a dozen moments in that entire scene where it's incredibly intense and then something just flips or shifts in how uh-huh. the other person responds. Right, yeah. We're have the. we going to talk about this later when we talk about costumes, but there's the the sweater attached to a shirt line yes. where they're having this deep conversation about her past. And obviously it's this incredibly fraught moment where she's broken into her home and she's threatening her and they're going back and forth. And then Villanelle asks about like, I just have to know one thing. Is, is that a sweater attached to a shirt? How does it work? <laughs> <laughs> and it just totally breaks the tension. And that's it's such an incredible like give and take just every time. Yes. And it's a moment that famously Phoebe Waller-Bridge wrote this scene out of order and had Jodie Comer and Sandra Oh audition with it. Because it's one of like three scenes that they even have together. Uh-huh. It's the show that's like a cat and mouse, but they're hardly ever on camera at the same time. Right. So like this is really like the crux of their relationship. Absolutely. And it totally works and is such a mission statement of the entire show. That episode is incredible. So you mentioned what I think is going to be a very important section throughout the run of this podcast. It's going to be our favorite looks. This is very important, I think, to you, Kate. Because you interviewed the costume designer of this show. I did, and it was fabulous. And it was just me, like, fangirling at her for, like, half hour, like, asking her about all these costumes. It was honestly hard to narrow this down from the entire first season. We're going to try to pick some of our favorites and talk about them. First up is, I think, it was Phoebe DeGay's favorite, who's the costume designer. I think it's both of our favorite, but it's like the iconic look from season one, the pink dress. Yes, and it's such a, I think, iconic look because it expresses the character so well. Yes, absolutely. I think the defining adjective that applies to Villanelle, which is kind of ironic because she's both 
grown up in the sense that she murders a lot of people and also she's a very sexual character very frankly uh-huh. but she's also very childlike right. she throws a big goofy birthday party for her you know handler just out of nowhere mm-hmm. and she loves to dress up in costumes and she has no impulse control and this is such a like it's clearly an expensive fancy garment mm-hmm. but it's also like really floofy <laughs> right it's so floofy it's for those who don't it's a Molly Goddard pink dress it's like I mean you've seen it you remember it I'm sure but it's this huge frothy concoction and then she wears it to her psychoanalysis appointment basically to be like oh I'm innocent I'm a little girl you can trust me but then she has these huge black boots on with it that are like motorcycle boots like to the next level huge and it's I mean it's it's on the nose but it's perfect yeah where she's like a little girl but also like not well it's also like I'm innocent you can trust me but also fuck you this is so stupid I'm just gonna wear the goofiest thing that I possibly can and it's incredible it's so good yes another key look from the season that we really thought should be highlighted was there's a really pivotal scene at the climax to episode three where Eve's mentor Bill has gone with her to Berlin to pursue Villanelle and he follows her into a nightclub and mostly the scene is him pursuing her but then there's this pivotal reversal where she just looks at the camera it's literally the scariest thing I've ever seen it's in my incredible. life <laughs> and then she just goes after him and then you realize oh the the last thing you want is to be trapped on a crowded dance floor with an assassin because no one can hear you scream. Yeah, the whole time he's like, he's trailing her and pursuing her and going after her and he's like, I got her. And then she turns around and sees him and it's like, oh, you never had her. You No, she had you. Quite the opposite. And she had you in a patterned Dries Van Noten suit. (laughs) This is, really, it's the suit and it's also the whole look. She's got her hair in these braids. It's a very masculine look and she also carries herself in a very masculine way in this scene. She's got her hands in her pockets. She's kind of like, it's just clearly this persona that she's adopted for herself. She's very debonair. In this moment, very debonair. She's got Eve's green scarf on as well. And then she's in this, red, it's like red and blue and black pattern. And then the lighting of the club is like, it's like kind of like the classic, quote, bisexual lighting. Yes. With like the blue and the pink lighting. And it just lights her up in this way that she, it's just terrifying and so good. Yes. I also think that both of us personally lean more towards the suit than the dress end of the spectrum. Right, right. I so. love this. This is actually my personal favorite look from the show obviously the pink dress is the pink dress this is like the wood cop look yes I believe absolutely absolutely is the distinction so we also wanted to Villanelle is clearly the fashion plate it is established that you know she basically just has this assassin job and it's sort of perfect for her because she can get paid really well to do what she loves Mm -hmm. murder but then it also pays for this incredibly chic Parisian apartment and a fancy perfume that she named herself after and tons of super clutch outfits. But we also wanted to, you know, give our due to some other characters on the show. So my pick was actually, or one of my picks was the dress that technically Villanelle buys for Eve. So maybe it's kind of a cop out, Mm -hmm. but it's basically like she ends up wearing it to this dinner because she just sort of absentmindedly tries it on. Also, I think some of the best acting Sandra O oh does in the entire show is like her body language when she's yes. like she puts it on and she looks unbelievably glamorous. And then you see her like step out of her heels and kind of like she slumps. Uh-huh. And you're like, okay, she's like normal Eve now. Right. But then Villanelle breaks it. <laughs> so they end up having to eat together. Yeah. She like dunks her in the bathtub. It's like, oh, such a short moment for that dress. <laughs> but she still looks so amazing. She looks amazing. Even when she looks like a drowned rat. It's incredible. Yeah. And she looks so good in it. I mean, and there's also, you mentioned the sweater attached to the shirt. So. Right. Yeah. A really quick turnaround from like how Villanelle has like chosen to dress Eve and how like the clothes that Eve actually owns and feels comfortable in. (laughs) Oh, yes. But it's like two iconic looks like stacked on top of another in one scene. 
And then we had one more character that we wanted to shout out. Carolyn just hits home runs every episode with her clothes. Not as showy, obviously, as Villanelle, but the outerwear is incredible. She wears these suits and these dresses, and she just looks so put together. So Carolyn, we should mention, is Eve's boss, basically. She is an MI6, like, very decorated agent. Eve sort of... I guess, like, is she her assistant? Who's Kirby Howell Baptiste's character? Just, like, a co-worker? Yeah, yeah. She's, like, very, you know, exuberant and just really fangirling over this uh-huh. person. And then she takes notice of Eve because Eve makes the whole female, like, observation that this is probably the work of a female assassin. Right. Where they're just looking at the body count. But her whole character is really, she's this incredibly dry wit who's both inscrutable and, like, so endearing. (laughs) It's really, yeah. She sort of, it sounds cliche to say that she contains multitudes, but she really goes from this incredibly intimidating and, like, very dry character. And then (laughs) there's this thing she does when she, you know, meets these men later in the season where she just, like, shakes her head back and becomes, like, this wanton, like, woman who just, like, loves life. (laughs) And I love it so much. Fiona Shaw is so good as Carolyn. She really does get... We're going to have, like, a run-through of the best lines of the season later, but... I think Phoebe Waller-Bridge really throws a lot to her. I think she she's does. also, you know, we love Eve, but I would not call her an aspirational figure. Right, right. <laughs> so I think Carolyn kind of provides the counterbalance to Villanelle in terms of Absolutely. like, this is a person who I would like to model myself right. after. Right, she's got her shit together. <laughs> if, if I don't go down the path of darkness. Right. But Carolyn's like top look of the season. She has so many, but she wears this furry hat when they go to Russia. And when I talked to Phoebe DeGay about it, Fiona Shaw actually brought that hat in and was like, I want to wear this when I my character is uh. in Russia. <laughs> and she was like, sure. Because like, you don't say no to Fiona Shaw when she wants to wear like a furry Russian hat. <laughs> Fiona Shaw, I must say, when we were at this premiere, because again, very connected and important journalist. So important. <laughs> we were like two feet from her at various points in the evening. And she just had like a lovely printed dress on. She looked fabulous. She looked amazing. It was an overwhelming experience. So I'm not like super shocked that she picked out her own oh, yeah. iconic yeah. look. But speaking of Fiona Shaw and Carolyn, our next segment is actually named in her character's honor. Oh my God. This is the Rat Drinking a Can of Coke Award for the best one-liners. If you know, you know. But if you don't know... <laughs> I once saw a rat drink from a can of Coke there. Both hands. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. <laughs> it honestly, like, floored me when I first watched it. I laughed out loud. I laugh out loud every time I hear it or see it. And it's just, like, the perfect... Kill- like, it really sums up how Killing Eve works, where there's this... You know, it, it's just this random, hilarious line that they just drop. Yeah, there's like no it's reason for it to be there. No. There's no plot reason for it no. to be there. <laughs> and the show really tends to, like, zig where you think it's going to zag, which, uh-huh. which is fitting because its main character is this, like, capricious, like, wood sprite of a person who uh-huh. just doesn't obey any laws of social behavior. But it's really written into the script in the, in the way that, like, there's this electricity that runs through it where, right. like, all these random unpredictable things that you don't think are supposed to happen happen. Carolyn is responsible for so many of those. Yes. That one especially. And And I, there's another one that I, <laughs> I really feel like we should shout out, which yes. is that um so along with Eve is kind of the main agent in this like ad hoc little unit that Carolyn throws together. Mm-hmm. One is another woman played by Kirby Howell Baptiste, who was her former coworker at MI5. And then there's also this kid Kenny, who's just a really <laughs> quiet computer genius. I love Kenny. I love him too. But in the aftermath of the of this climactic dinner scene, Eve like runs over to Carolyn's house because 
Villanelle has taken her phone, which has a lot of, like, very sensitive information on it, so mm-hmm. it's very important that she goes to Carolyn. And she sees Kenny just, like, sitting at the dinner table. <laughs> and we have a clip of Carolyn's explanation for that as well. Kenny is my son. We have no time for you to react to that, so don't feel that you have to. Which, just the first time <laughs> I heard it, it was it just made me so filled with joy. It really is, because it's such a weird moment. You have no idea. Eve had no idea that he was her son. And so it's, and there's, she literally reacts to how we're thinking too. Like, there's so much happening this episode. Like we said, it's just like nonstop, just crazy moments. And like, yeah, we don't have time to react to that either. Like, we got to get yeah, to the safe like, house. Yeah, she's like, move on. I've just given you this it's information. perfect. It's also great. Like, on rewatch, I think this really stood out to me is that even after that revelation, they continue to call each other by their first names. Yeah. He calls her Carolyn <laughs> and never calls her mom. But then I, he also yeah. asks her about cheese puffs in the airport. Yeah, you know, it goes both ways. Anyway, did you you had a couple highlights as well? We do have a couple highlights. Like we said, episode five, it, the dinner scene, that line. There's also I love the scene. So after this happens, Villanelle gets the location of the safe house from Eve's phone. She goes to find Frank, who is also a former coworker of theirs, who is basically she's been assigned to kill. Yes, and she's another the wonderful Fiona Shaw line. Is like it's a shame when the rat turns out to be the one who looks most like a rodent. <laughs> Poor Frank. Poor Frank. Very tough for Frank. But there's this incredible scene in the bathroom where Villanelle pops up behind him in the mirror. He flips out. Frank is just a total loser. Um, But they're going back and forth. She's like, he's like, you're going to kill me. She's like, yeah, I am. And this is also where we get the line. I have a thing for bathrooms, actually. But he's asking, you know, he's asking you not to kill him. And we get this great back and forth between them. I have children. I don't want your children. No, I have children to take care of. This will give them something to bond over. Villanelle. Savage. She's not wrong. She's really not. And he just is so like, uh, what the fuck is happening? Like, you're making these jokes at me. You're about to kill me. He cannot figure it out. And she's just having not even the time of her life because this is just what she does. But it's so funny. Their dynamic is just. Yeah. And there are a few other uh, Villanelle lines in particular. Mm-hmm. I know you and I have a particular bone to pick with the reputation the show has had, which is there are some people, possibly some of our colleagues at The Ringer, who think that this show starts to lag a bit in the in the back sounds, sounds fake, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's fake news. Uh, I just think people are shallow and don't want to admit that uh, they're bored by staying in a gray, ugly Russian prison for hours on end. The prison episodes are still great. Oh, they're amazing. They're still amazing. To that end, you know, one of the prison episodes is named after truly one of the most iconic lines. I don't know. Should we like really embarrass ourselves and just try to try to replicate it? Let's replicate it. Count of three. Okay, one, two. Three. Take, Take me to the hall. Wow, I think we just blew out a microphone. I'm so sorry. Honestly, that was pretty good, though. I feel like we nailed the intonation there. Oh, yeah. There's a real joie de vivre to that line delivery there is. that I hope we did some justice to. It's really, it's like the very end of episode six, and it's so good. And the episode is yes. named Take Me to the Hall. Yes, which makes- she's just very publicly murdered someone in their prison cell and knows that she's headed to solitary confinement and, and just does not care. Could not be more thrilled about it. Yes. And then our our final pick was, you know, there's a a real, you know, possible heart-to-heart bonding moment between Villanelle and her, I guess now former handler, Constantine, who's this big bear of a Russian man, Uh played by Kim Bodnia. And 
you know, he gives her this like very emotional speech of like, I'm so proud of you. I love you so much. Like you're so special. And then she clearly knows that it's kind of him buying time. But then you find out he's really buying time by the fact that he smacks her uh, with a certain object. (laughs) And she just goes with like, this total incredulity you hit me with a love <laughs> and repeats it several times as she uh, tries to shoot him as he escapes on like a motorboat or something yeah <laughs> just feels so betrayed <laughs> I know it's just a great like the rapport between them I think is also really amazing it really is and just on a side note I love on, a, on my rewatch I noticed this Kim Badnia, who plays Constantine, every time Constantine is referred to in the show, they call him, oh, the sexy man. Yes. Did you notice that? That's yes, like I noticed that main, much more in the rewatch. His main characterization. Multiple different characters like, oh, the sexy one? Oh, I'm sorry. Was it a sexy Russian man? Or they're just like recalling him and they're like, yeah, he was like big, he had gray hair. Kind really of sexy. Really sexy. <laughs> and he, it's hard to explain if you haven't seen Kim Bodnia. And like, he's, you know, he has a certain rugged appeal, I guess. I think he's an energy. Yeah, he, right. He has BDE. Yeah. Oh, God. Yes. <laughs> I mean, there's also like a moment where Villadel points out multiple times how weird it is that he's never tried to have sex with her. They yeah. never had sex. And he's like, I'm married. And then she just goes, you're a romantic. And you're like, <laughs> I totally see this because he all he does have sex with one character we know. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, a very uh, just another unexpected characterization that is just refreshing, I guess. Okay, so this next segment, we're extremely excited about. This yes, was, I think this is really like our our masterpiece in terms of for, it is. forming was, a podcast. This was right. Allison's idea and I support it in every possible way. Yes, so... Those of you who are moderately to extremely online may have noticed (laughs) that denizens of the internet, particularly passionate fans of certain people, have taken to expressing their admiration, maybe their lust for certain people, by expressing their wish for extreme violence to be done to them. Right. Like, uh, you know, Carrie Fukunaga throw me off a building. Right. Rachel Weisz punched me in the face. If you're if you're on Twitter, you've seen them. Back I'm me over sure. with the semi truck, yeah. And it's just kind of like a meme, and it's a way to just be like, I love this person, and I'm attracted. And to I them. think it certainly reflects our feelings towards Jodie Comer and yes. many people on Killing Eve. But you know, Killing Eve is great because it actually provides us with the perfect <laughs> template. There were so many operatic forms of violence that Villanelle does that perfectly describe our feelings. Truly, so much. So this segment is called Jodie Comer Can. And we're just going to rapid fire list the things that Jodie Cam- Comer can do yeah. to either of us. This just, will be episode specific going forward. But yes. since we have a whole season to choose from, we're just going to do a couple each. We're here. just going to rapid fire the highlights from season one. So without further ado, <clears throat> <laughs> Jodie Comer can stab me in the eye with a poison hairpin and leave my body to be discovered by my grandson. Oh, she totally can. Jodie Comer can make intense eye contact with me in a dramatically lit club and then stab me a lot, a lot, with a tiny knife. Oh, yes. She can definitely do that. Definitely do that. Jodie Comer can pose as a dominatrix and gas me in lieu of a quote-unquote vigorous scrotal massage. You know, I'd let her. I would. Jodie Comer can ask me to trust her, smile at me in the rearview mirror, and then back over me with a van. Multiple one, times. Yes. That one comes pretty close to like the actual back me over really with the semi truck. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, you can look forward to further updates to the Jody Comer can catalog as the season goes on. Oh, yeah. But for now, we wanted to look forward a little bit. We've done a lot of recap of season one, but just looking towards season two, we're going to run through the kind of major players, where we found them, and what we kind of want to see from them or just think we're going to see from them in season two. Yes. 
So this is called Killing Eve. I think we should start with Eve. Yes. So uh, we last saw her stabbing Villanelle <sighs> in her beautiful Parisian apartment <sighs> after have, sharing... Do they actually get to kiss or does Villanelle just like no. lean in? Okay, no. well, it's more of a moment. Their love remains frustrated, but they've <laughs> they've definitely shared a moment. Yes. Eva stabbed her, but also uh she last saw her husband when she physically abused him. So that's yeah. not great. Yeah, we're gonna check back in with their marriage in a minute, but after we do this, but yeah, that's yes. she has a lot of complications. She's been fired from her job. She has yes. stabbed the maybe possibly love of her life and also punched or slapped the the other one her life. <laughs> yeah. so we have a lot of concern for right. you right and she does tell Villanelle I've lost a job because of you I've lost a husband because of you so like at this point she I mean it seems like she thinks the marriage is over yeah or at I least mean, she's telling Villanelle that it also sounds like she kind of has nothing to lose right which is maybe not great for the rash decision she's going yeah to it make. seems like a not a great combination with her state of mind but we will see so the other half the other half of that Villanelle uh, we again has just been stabbed yes um, and she disappeared out the door leaving like a trail of blood so she's at least made it out of the apartment right but can't probably go very far right so she's obviously very vulnerable she's injured she's in bad shape she's if she's alive obviously she is at least right now she's on the run and again she also just killed her other handler and then failed to kill well she shot Constantine we'll get to him in a minute but she's basically turned on the organization that was paying her, or yeah. at least is like not in great. She kind of like shape fucked up her super clutch life that she right. had. Right, exactly. Yeah, she shot the other guy in the head, which is another great moment of of the late season or yes. the late yeah the late Absolutely episodes. Wonderful. So good. I mean, it's also like that dude is so annoying He's and smarmy. so annoying, and all you wanted to do is just shoot him in the face, and she does exactly that. It's just viscerally satisfying. It's so satisfying. Uh, but yeah, she's suddenly very vulnerable, and we don't know what she's doing or how she is, but. It, at least, like, in the first couple of episodes, it seems like she's not going to be, maybe not Yeah, presumably she is not dead because there's right. still a show. Right. We've and seen, there is a trailer for season two that's out. So we know she's, like, alive for a while at least. Yes. Um, but, yeah, she, you know, it's, it's not as invulnerable as she was last season. Absolutely. So running up the chain of command on either side, first we have Carolyn, who we come to know as this incredibly competent, but also, you know, very, like, secure and like stable member of British intelligence. Mm-hmm. Like she is on the side of British intelligence or so we think until one of the last minute reveals of season one in episode seven is that uh, Carolyn talked to Villanelle one-on-one in prison just before Villanelle was broken out of prison by the organization that employs her and she didn't tell Eve or Kenny about it. Right. So what's going on there? Yeah. Very tricky. So we're looking for like some clarity there. I yes, guess. for sure. Can we trust her? Can we not? Yes. And then yeah, poor Constantine. Poor Constantine. So in the season one finale, he gets shot by Villanelle. Um, and it's kind of ambiguous. We don't see him die. We don't really see anything happen to his body. But then Carolyn tells even Kenny that right. he died. But we also, right. as we just said, now yeah. know that Carolyn is not the most trustworthy character. Exactly. Yeah. So she gets a call in the airport. She says that he died. But yeah, she, I mean, and. Various characters have posted Instagrams with Kim Bodnia while they were shooting season two. So it seems very likely that he'll be in the next season, whether it's a flashback or whether it's 
actually like I also think a character of that level of significance's goodbye is not going to be like Off a screen. very casual su- right. like shot in the side in a crowded Russian tea room and sure. Death. And we know that he and Carolyn are very close. We know that we can't trust either of them. So it makes sense that if he was like either going to like fake his death or like be at least pretending to Eve and Kenny and MI6 that he is dead, that he would be working with Carolyn and that yes. she would be helping him cover that up. And even if he survived. It's a st- similar question to Villanelle where, like, if she was ordered to kill him, he's clearly not in good graces with right, the organization Right, right. So either. he definitely has reason to be careful and be hiding his... Yes. And this yeah. last character that we wanted to check in with is, you know, maybe not as important to the action as the other two, but we love him and appreciate him and are very concerned for him. And that, of course, is Kenny. I love Kenny. <laughs> Just what a sweetheart. He's so sweet. He has no neck. He has, a, he has like, <laughs> an extremely thick it's neck. It's like a square neck. He's such a little cutie, but he's such a goofy guy. And he's just precious. If anything bad happens to Kenny, I would be Budding extremely mad. Budding romance, or so we yes, assume, with, with Kirby Howell Baptiste's character. What is her character's name? Her character's name is Elena Felton, or Elena. Elena, right, right, okay, right, Elena. It is Elena. Kenny and Elena, I ship it. Wonderful chemistry there. Yeah. We want the best for Kenny, and we also want uh, Eve to be able to take continued make continued use of his technical expertise. Yes, Which is for sure. really a whiz kid. Yes. Very impressive. Carolyn did a great job. Oh, yeah. So beyond individual character check-ins, we also just had some broader plot questions for season two, like directions that the show could possibly go in. So probably a good place to start is also with Eve. I know you had a question for her. Yeah. What is going on with her marriage? And we have to talk about Nico. Uh, I said that I love <laughs> Kenny. I love Nico even more. He's really great. I mean, one of the things I love about this show is that they don't give Eve a stereotypical, unsatisfying marriage. Yes, it would be so easy to have, like, some garbage man as her husband or even someone who's just, like, not sympathetic or boring. And Nico, first of all, okay, so Mallory Rubin on Binge Mode has this thing where she's like, protect Ghost, where she's, like, really angry if anything happens to Ghost. My thing is going to be protect Nico. If Nico doesn't make it through the season, I'm going to be furious and honestly yeah. I feel terrible about his odds and we know the last lady that uh, yes. Villanelle got okay. obsessed with <laughs> she should be way more concerned about protecting Nico yeah I mean Villanelle knows where they live and has broken into their house and, and they already like we should maybe move yeah like, and she murdered and castrated Anna's husband are we not concerned about Nico <laughs> we should be really alarming I mean I also just forgot you know upon rewatch like that the last three episodes take place over such a condensed period of time right. yeah so that really like the last time we saw Nico there was a very intense argument and then she just he's like we should go home and like try to talk this out or at least just like forget about it and she just goes I can't I have a work thing oh my god and it's just Savage. like oh no like the worst possible thing you could have done in that situation so yeah that's he's, probably yeah he's precious and he tries so hard and he tries to be so understanding and such a good partner and the love of his life is in love with a psychopathic assassin. Like, I don't know what to tell you, my guy. I hate it when that happens. It's an extremely tough break for Nico. (laughs) But I will be furious if he dies because Eve does not protect him. Like, she just yeah, I feel get like him, at the very least the words witness protection yes, like, get him to a come bodyguard up. Have put him in a hotel like do something We're, we have concerns we do so the flip side of this is that we have only ever really known Villanelle in this like incredibly empowered hopscotching around Europe beautiful clothes etc she's always been very liberated and that's a lot of what we love about the character mm-hmm. 
And I'm very curious how that's going to change, like, the balance of the show. Because so much of the relationship between them, I feel like, is Eve, like, really envying Villanelle's freedom. Mm-hmm. I think that's, like, part of the, like, femaleness of the show. Is yeah, that absolutely. she really, like, wishes that she could be uninhibited and as free of societal structures as Villanelle is. Albeit, you know, in a really psychopathic and terrifying way. <laughs> of course. But I think it's going to be interesting to see, like, what villanelle is like and even just like how she's gonna do things she can't just like buy a first class ticket to wherever now yeah she can't wear whatever she wants she can't jet off wherever she wants yes the trailer hints that this is really not inhibiting her sense of style but (laughs) thank god i know i don't know what we would do i don't think i don't think phoebe gay would do that to us And sort of related to Villanelle, our final question is just, like, what's the deal with the 12, which is the name of this mysterious organization that is commissioning Villanelle to kill all these people who seemingly have no connection except that they're kind of important people? Yeah. Um, And I think the big change for the season is now all of a sudden it's everyone against the 12, or at least it seems to be. We know they've turned against Constantine. We know Carolyn seems to be on Constantine's side, um, or at least, like, loved him and— cared about him deeply if he's still alive. They turned against Villanelle. Eve is obviously not working with them. So last season, it was kind of like Eve versus the 12, whatever forms they took. And now it's kind of like this shadowy organization that we don't really know anything about. Yes, except there are presumably 12 of them. Yeah, but even Constantine was like, I don't know who they are. Yeah. There, there are people called keepers who know who they are, but I'm not one of them. Right. But just from like a even like a critical metatextual kind of angle on this, I think a lot of people are kind of concerned that with an espionage show, there's always a risk that it's going to take a turn towards just like the plotty and the conspiratorial mm-hmm. and the twisty. And this show is its appeal is so simple. It's like right. there are these two incredibly compelling people and they have an incredibly compelling relationship. And I think some people might be worried going into season two that because it's the second season and they need to go a little broader and a little bigger that they're going to go a little further down the plot rabbit hole mm-hmm. as opposed to sticking to the relationship. Sure. I don't know. Is that something you're also worried about? A little bit. You know, when I I was rewatching and I was, you know, considering things like this and where they could go with this, I had some like a little bit of flashbacks to watching Alias. And when Alias transitioned, have you seen Alias? It's okay. Am I going to be fired? If it's I, one of my favorite shows. <laughs> Am I going to be allowed to co-host this podcast with you? There, it's a similar thing where they went away from the relationships and moved into like these shadowy like SD6 and Rambaldi and like all these like kind of just ambiguous bad guys that yeah. control everything and have their hands and everything. I mean, Lost did this scandal, did right, this. Right, right. And it is, it is kind of a pitfall that a lot of shows sort of sway towards in the second season or like moving forward. So I, I have faith that I think Killing Eve won't necessarily fall into it to that extent, but I do think it's it's something to keep an eye out for. I also think no matter what, Sandra O oh and Jodie Comer are one and two on the call sheet. Absolutely. So we're going to be stuck with them. <laughs> Thank God. I know. Like, I don't know why I just said stuck with. We're going to be married to them. Yes. Our two that's wives. That's better. Which I think is a great note to go out on. Yes. Guys, thank you so much for listening to this unapologetic stand-up. Oh my gosh, yeah. We cannot wait to just continue going on this journey for the next eight weeks with all of you. It's going to be great. Just look out for our recap of the season premiere coming to you right after the episode on Sunday and for weeks and weeks after that. Yeah. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.